Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Welcome, everybody. I'd like to uh, just welcome some, everyone's a special guest, so everyone just look at yourself and think, I'm special today. Just say it. Just say it. It's okay. You are special. Come on. I'm special in the Lord. And so everyone is special in the kingdom of God. Amen. Everyone gets to play. Everyone has a place at his table. But it really is a special, it's a special blessing on top of everyone being special to have Pastor Paul and his wife Lucy Berry with us. They just transitioned the church to, to their beautiful uh, to their beautiful son, Connor. Connor has just become a dear friend of mine. He's just a rock. He's an unbelievable pastor. But we just want to welcome you guys to Radiant. They just, they've, they've been, what is it like, I don't want to date you, but like 40 years, 50 years of, 30? 30 in Santa Maria and 8 elsewhere. 30 in Santa Maria and 8 elsewhere. So almost 40 years of active ministry. So we just want to say thank you for joining us here this Sunday. It really is a blessing. One more time for God's faithful servants. And Paul said, you care uh, if, if we hang out here for a while? I'm like, no, sorry, bro, you can't. Because I know you can preach, but no, it's so good. We have a lot of beautiful uh, pastors and teachers and leaders, and, and so you're right at home here. And so, so what a joy uh, to welcome you guys. And job well done. Amen. Job well done all these years of ministering. Lord, we do, we pray for Connor right now. We ask for your anointing to break out on Calvary Santa Maria right now. God, I ask that the house will be full. I ask for moms and dads to be raised, shepherds that carry the shepherd's heart. I ask for, Lord, a move of unbelievable discipleship that those who call Calvary Santa Maria home would look just like Jesus. I'm asking God that you would just give them grace and anointing to know which side of the boat to fish on. We're asking for nets to break, for boats to feel like they're sinking because of the fruitfulness of gospel ministry that's taking place through their team and through your sons and daughters at Calvary Santa Maria. We bless them today. God, we bless your church in Santa Maria. We thank you for our friends, our brothers and sisters all across town who right now are announcing the good news of Jesus. Although we're asking anointing upon your, your teachers, your preachers, your priests, and your prophets. We're asking, God, that the word would run swiftly and be glorified, that many would be born into the kingdom today. We're asking, God, that you would establish your people in the grace of Christ so that we would live on an unshakable foundation because our house is well built on the rock, King Jesus. So, Lord, thank you. We welcome the anointing of the Spirit, 1 John 2, 20 through 28, the anointing that teaches all things and that always points us to this one reality, abide in the love of Christ. Abide in the love of Christ. So, Holy Spirit, teach us, draw us to that place of abiding in the love of Christ. In Jesus' matchless name, we all said amen, amen. and amen. So, really quick, um, the reason why we do the QR code, it's just the easiest way to get everything to you. So there's about 20 links, but every link is in one place. Everyone say one place. So back to that link tree, you can just type in link tree, Radiant Central Coast. You'll find the sermon notes. You'll find ways to register for events, how you can join groups. You can give online, which we welcome. But one little code takes you to a world of endless possibilities. Sort of a joke, but no one thought it was funny. 
And so please scan it, follow along. Every single word that is ever said on this platform is scrutinizable and it must be weighed against this book. Everyone say amen. amen. How many love the word of God, the Bible? We love the Bible. And so I, wanna, I, I love providing notes because you can read them and think about them, chew on them throughout the week. For goodness sake, discuss it with your, your spouse or your family or your children or your friends or your roommate, your colleagues at work. We want to equip you in the word. And if there's just one tidbit that my, my desire for this morning as we jump into the word is that we would all have what those, those, those friends on the road to Emmaus, we would have holy heartburn as Jesus is exalted and illuminated through his word. How many want good heartburn? The Bible says that when they had hindsight after Jesus was revealed to them, they said, weren't our hearts burning on the road while he what? Opened this and showed them all the places he was hidden in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, but now revealed through his life, ministry, death, resurrection. How many are thankful for that interpretive key called King Jesus that opens the word to us? Amen. Well, last week, we, we, really the theme for our Easter was the good, the good shepherd who has just from the beginning been seeking and saving the, the lost. And it was amazing. We saw three baptized and, and many people respond to the gospel. And I, what I wanna do before we walk for these next four, I'm not gonna give you a time. These next several weeks, we're gonna work through John 10. But I wanna give you a biblical framework and foundation. How many know this is not just a random spattering together of pithy comments, interesting stories, one-liners, and anecdotes to have a, a happy life? How many believe this one book this library of books we call scripture is really one unified story that is meant to lead us to King Jesus and to following him and to all of life. And so I wanna just give you a brief framework for how, how, when Jesus says, I am the gate, and when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he is not just poof, popping onto the scene and choosing random words or ideas to communicate what he's doing. Jesus is fulfilling the prophetic thrust, the prophetic aim throughout all of the story of God. And so when he says, I'm the gate and I'm the good shepherd, there's like a 10 mile deep reality from which his confession rests, upon which his confession rests. So what I wanna do is just briefly walk you through the story, the shepherd, Everyone say the shepherd of the biblical story. You can see it here, or like I said, get your QR code and you can look a lot closer on your smartphone. And so way back in the garden, like we talked about last week, I'm gonna try to make quick work because I want us to understand the story. How many have ever had your wife or your husband or your friend, whatever, fall asleep in the middle of a movie and then they wake up or the next morning they're like, hey, so what happened? I'm like, Stay awake. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay awake. And I, okay, so honey, I love you. She's serving in the nursery. Bless you, honey. But that's the story of my life. I look over five minutes in, but I'm hooked in, so I stay up too late. She gets a good night's sleep. 
And then I have to answer those impossible questions. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> How many know, that's like many of us in the Bible. We've fallen asleep. We don't know the meta narrative and the story that holds all the threads together. And so we read it, we're like, that's really random. What's a Babylon? That's really, what, laws and, how many know God wants to awaken us to the story? When you know the story, the characters explode off the page. When you know the story, the unifying story, the promises and purposes of God hit you like fire, like, whoa, that's what he's doing. And so my, my hope is just for these few moments, oh, it's already 11, ah, so let's just go through it and we'll go until we stop. Hallelujah. So right in the beginning, we talked about last week, quick, quick reminders that God was, the, was, was essentially, obviously, the king and the shepherd. And the humans experienced the care covering and communion with God at the center. How many know our story does not start with human rebellion, but the goodness of God in a garden context where humans were meant to flourish and thrive in proper alignment and orientation to God as king? That's how our story starts. But in the garden, there was another creature who incited rebellion, the serpent. And so humans usurp, everyone say usurp. They usurp, usurp, usurp the authority, care, and covering of God, and they sought to be autonomous kings and queens of their own little kingdoms. And so they're exiled. Everyone say exiled. They're exiled from Eden. But right as they're, they're banished, because God does not, like we talked last week, he does not want them to live forever with the awareness of the separation between them and God and the shame of their sin and their nakedness. God's like, there's no way you're gonna eat the fruit of eternity or, or, or everlasting life with that being your operating system. How many know you're not meant to live out of an operating system of, of I need to hide, I need to be filled with sin and shame. Hallelujah, that that is not our eternal future. It is freedom and sonship and, and access and anointing and living in close proximity to God and feeling no shame, no condemnation for those in Jesus. And so even as he's banishing them to say, you can't live forever in this reality with your nakedness and your sin, he gives them a promise. A snake crusher is coming. That's what we looked at last week. So go listen to the tape so I can move on. So he promises Eve an offspring who's gonna crush the serpent, but it's gonna cost him his life. Out of this, if you've tracked the biblical story from Genesis 1 to 11, the further east they go, the more wicked humans become. The further east of Eden, the worse it gets. And this is the great lie of our cultural moment. All, all, all of our cultural commentaries, all of our Instagram superstars movie, all of the promises from the mainstream media are promising a utopia, but the reason why it's built on a faulty reality is because that the farther they're away, away from God you go, the closer you do not get to utopia. The, actually, the further back we go to the chaotic, chaotic waters of Genesis 1, the, the, the reality which God spoke order and purpose and, and, and alignment and blessing. So the lie of a generation is push God out, do not live with reference to or reverence for God and we'll get the life we long for. It's a lie because the further east you go, the more wicked and hopeless and helpless it becomes. That was a lot, but did that make sense? 
So every, every, every ideology or agenda that promises progress without reverence for or reference to God is a lie. We see this in the biblical story. And so we see out of this story and this framework, God calls a man called Abram who'd become Abraham. And in this family, God wants to do, what he wanted to do with all of humanity, he's now, I'm gonna do it with one family. I'm gonna, this family is gonna be like a microcosm of my macro purposes. And what I do with them, they're gonna become this window through which they're gonna see the character and nature of the God who calls and the God who establishes, and through them, their whole world is going to be blessed. Out of Abraham comes Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, Joseph, the, 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 the 11 brothers sell Joseph into slavery. This is how Israel winds up enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt. How are we doing? Give me a thumbs up. This is just a broad stroke of where we get the idea of a shepherd. And so from slavery, God hears the cries of his oppressed people. How many are thankful today God hears the cry of the human heart? He hears the cries of the oppressed. That's why I believe a sweeping revival is going to come in the next generation. I, you know, you don't, how many more articles, the New York Times and others, uh, of an, an entire generation that's depressed how many know that there is one above the cry and the cloudiness that is the answer for every generation? And so even now is the cry, there's a cry that's being formed in the belly, in the womb, if you will, of a generation. And we have the privilege right now, as dark as it feels, to be those who stand and announce, Jesus is the one who can satisfy the cravings of your soul for significance, purpose, belonging, beauty, and the like. So out of this cry, he raises up a deliverer named Moses. And so Moses delivers Israel from Egypt, but Joshua would be, would be the conqueror and be the one who would bring them into the land of promise. And right here, I wanna just draw your attention to this, again, this idea of a shepherd in the biblical story. In Numbers 27, verse 15, it says this, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God who gives breath, to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out, everyone say go out, and to come in before them. One who will, again, say it with me, lead them out and bring them in. We're gonna talk about that in a few weeks, I can't wait. What does it mean that he leads us out to bring us in, leads us out to bring us in? So that, read it with me on the screens, the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. How many believe that God is a God of, of unbelievable order and wisdom? And as we just said very briefly, the further away we go from living with reference to and reverence for God, we don't somehow stumble into a well-ordered life. It is always and only further and further, deeper and deeper darkness and despair because we're moving away from that John 1, 1 through 4, the source of light and life himself, Jesus Christ, the incarnate word. So out of this promise that God gives Moses and Joshua, 
this, this shepherd-like figure to lead them into the land of promise, we have the judges, the period of the judges. This is a very up and down period in Israel's story, periods of blessing and rebellion. But look through judges, just do a quick Bible gateway or Takata Bible or Olive Tree Bible, whatever you like to use on your app or your old fashioned analog uh, Bible. Hello for all you people out there. Every time there was a season of rebellion, this is what happened. What? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Can we all say, uh-oh? How many think that's our address right now in our own generation? Just you do you, bro, or sis. You, you live out of your own truth. Come on, raise your hand if you've heard these ideas. Just do what you feel, do what you want. No restraints, no restrictions, no like respect for the barriers and life-giving boundaries of God's law or wisdom or counsel, you do you. And I want you to know this always spells disaster when we are, we are those who are, who are naming good and evil. Because we will always erase the lines so that they fall in pleasant places for me and mine, regardless of what it means for you and yours. Are you tracking with me? So in the period of the judges, there's periods of blessing when God raises up a judge or a deliverer, but there's always this season of demise when, when people cast off restraint and fail to, to agree and to come into agreement and alignment with God's wisdom and God's ways. How many, am I talking to anyone of what it, what it feels like to come out of step with God's counsel? How many have known that it's not a season of progress, it is a season of, oh, sinking sand, what do I do? And he's like, I'm right here. Repent, come back into agreement and alignment with my ways and my will. And it's so significant in the biblical story, again, we're only gonna get through a few pages, darn it. We're tracing this idea of the shepherd and the redemptive storyline. And up to this point in the period of the judges, Israel was still technically a theocracy. Everyone say theocracy. God was their king. They didn't do a very good job at following him, but technically up to this point, there was no human king that represented Israel. God was their king. And in 1 Samuel chapter eight, Israel asks for a king quote, so that they can be just like all the surrounding nations. They wanted a man to lead them into battle. Significantly, if you read the storyline, again, we're like working through like large chunks of the Bible in very broad strokes, so read the story. Okay, but every victory in every battle was because the Lord was their warrior king out front. God was batting a thousand. <laughs> ah, come on, how many know the futility of our stupidity? Give us a human king. Like, you just took out 30 nations in a land. You're drinking wine from vineyards you didn't plant. We want a king. We want a king. We just want to be like everybody else. Hello, anybody said those were, I just, Give me someone I can live vicariously through. I don't wanna trust God's leadership. Come on, this is even in the church. I want you to know there is one mediator between God and man and it ain't me and it isn't any pastor, it's the man Christ Jesus. And there is one who wants to lead his church into every battle with victory and with courage and his name is Jesus. So, so I'm skipping, okay, go back for Samuel 8. 
And so Samuel's like, oh, boy, this is a big deal. They're asking for a king. God's like, don't worry, dude. It's not you they're rejecting, it's me. So God gives them what they ask for. <laughs> How many know it's the mercy of God nine times out of 10 that he does not give us what we ask for? Ooh, someone say hallelujah. Because we don't know the end of that which we're asking for. And she's like, it's not you, it's me that they're rejecting, but give them what they want. So they get a saw. And in the eye of flesh and through the lens of, 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 of human concerns and human thinking, Saul was the man, head and shoulder above everybody else. He's the prototypical human king. But if you read 1 Samuel 8, which I really encourage you to do this week, underline all the things that Samuel says is going to be the result of wanting a, a, someone else to be your king than Yahweh to be your king. I think it's like, I had it one time, I could find it, but just look at how many he, I will, he will take, he will take, he will hoard, he will use, he will enslave, he will, he will take your crops for his own. I think there's like 15, don't misquote me. Of all the things that because you wanted someone else besides me to be your king, here's what's gonna happen. Sure, there might be a human figure to lead you into battle, but it's gonna cost you dearly and deeply because that human king is going to be flawed unlike the perfect leadership of God. So God has to remove Saul. He didn't have respect or awe for his, the anointing of a king. He thought the, the, the needs of the people were more pressing than obeying the covenant promises of God. He doesn't do things God's way and so God removes Saul. And how many have just felt, I, I feel, as I talk about shepherding like the next four to six weeks, I'm like, Ugh. how many have seen God remove men in our generation? I mean, it's just happening. So ugh. how many know the fear of the Lord is our friend? Amen. To choose to live out of a God awareness and a God awe and a God reverence is the great need for our generation. That he is God and we are not. So Saul is removed and God's like, I'm, I'm going to choose a man after my heart, a king who carries my heart. And it's the shepherd boy who would become king and through whom the Messiah would come. And what was the shepherd's name? Help me out. David. David. And so David, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, see, I'm giving you, read it. Read all of the Old Testament a thousand times before you die, and then let's celebrate the eternal word forever. But I'm just giving you, for the rest of the story, David becomes the, pro, like the, the, the shepherd king that all of the prophets are like, God, do it again. Something in the heart of, of David, this, this heart, this shepherd's heart for the people of God, for the presence of God, for the purpose of God, that three-folded strand, God found something in a man. He's like, I can work in and through that as broken as he was, and he was. And so David becomes, throughout the rest of the whole Old Testament, all of the promises and prophetic looking forwards all look back to David the shepherd king. And every time God's people found themselves in trouble, which was a lot throughout the whole biblical story, it was because leaders lived out of self-interest. 
They compromised the, co the covenant. They accommodated and assimilated to be like the surrounding nations, which eventually led to them worshiping their gods and their idols and adopting their practices. And before the people of God knew it, they were occupied and conquered by the surrounding nations. And so the cry of the prophets throughout, and I'm just gonna read a few of the prophetic promises and then we'll land the plane for this, this morning. Throughout all of the prophets, there was a cry, God, raise up a shepherd after your heart. God, raise up another king like David. God, purify your priests. Restore your presence in our midst. And please, God, transform the hearts of your people. This is the, the unified cry of two-thirds of your Bible. God, raise up a shepherd king like David, one who will carry your heart and lead people into the promise of a heart on fire for you, the law of God written on their hearts that they would actually love to obey your ways and your word. And so throughout the prophets, this is just a few examples in Jeremiah 23. Again, this is the context for John 10. That's where we're gonna live for several weeks when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. This is the backdrop. Jeremiah 23, one says, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you've scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you and the evil that you have done, declares the Lord. Scattered, shepherdless, helpless, and hopeless. This was the lot the people of God continued to find themselves in throughout the old covenant. And into this abysmal reality, selfish shepherds, scattered sheep, God spoke a promise. And I'm just gonna read it because it's glorious. I know it's lengthy, but it's the word of God. Ezekiel 34 is maybe one of the most significant passages to unlock John 10. So read it this week. Please read Ezekiel 34 in its entirety. Write it down on your smartphone or your margin or your Bible, Ezekiel 34. But I just pulled out the highlights for us, for our purposes in the shepherd and the biblical story. Starting with verse 10, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds <laughs> and I will hold them accountable for my flock. By the way, this is why James 3 says, not many of you, you should presume to be teachers, my dear brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We're gonna talk about the character of shepherding in the house of God in a few weeks. He goes on to say, I will remove them from tending the flock so that shepherd, the shepherds no longer feed themselves. And I just, what I did on my, you can't see it in the smallness of the screen, but I underlined and made bold every time the I. I will rescue my flock. Everyone say, I will rescue my flock from their mouths. It will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. 
Hear it again. I will rescue them from all of the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out of the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture. Woo! And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land and they, they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring the strays and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place, here it is, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Anyone kept track of the I wills yet? I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. Do we see when Jesus says, I'm the gate, I'm the good shepherd, it's got 10 miles of substance. It's the, it's the fulfillment of the entire narrative arc of the Old Testament. A shepherd king who will rescue God's people and establish them in the, with a life in his kingdom. The day of the Lord was coming Prophetically, when Yahweh would decisively act and intervene through a shepherd who was selfless, sacrificial, sheep-minded, and the three Ps, God's presence, God's people, and God's purpose as the primary thread and concern of his heart. Just one more. Isaiah 40, verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense or reward accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And only in Jesus do these two dynamics perfectly mesh. Look at the language again. The Lord comes with power. Everyone say power and might. Woo! Hallelujah. But he's like a shepherd. He knows how to wield his power and to be tender and gentle with his people. Can we shout amen? amen. He has power and might. Remember when in John 18, he's like, if my kingdom was of this world, they would have fought for me. Even in the garden, when, when, when Judas betrays him, he's like, I could have called down thousands of angels. Jerusalem could have been wiped out. But it's not how I am wielding my power. 
Amen. He destroyed death, not through brunt force, but by letting death have its greatest swing at him. And then God raised him up from the grave, declaring death was defeated through the death of the shepherd king, Jesus. He'll be like a shepherd who deals tenderly and lovingly with his broken, scattered sheep. How many are thankful for the tender heart, but the powerful heart of God? And then the last one, I lied. I'll skip that one, it's really good. Just read it, I gave you all the notes on purpose because I wanna get to the gospel and then I wanna pray. They will no longer defile themselves, Ezekiel 37, with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. You see, when we don't have When we don't have leadership in our lives, we understand we fill the void with things that promise us so much at the front entrance, but once you enter the door of idolatry, it's always death, despair, darkness. It's not garden 2.0, it's chaos, cloudiness, and confusion. Anyone know what it is behind the door of human rebellion? It's not garden 2.0. And he says, I will save them. This is, I love this language. I will save them from their sinful black backsliding and I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. This is amazing, verse 24. My servant David will be king over them and they will have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. Are you seeing the backstory from the garden to exile, to Abraham, to slavery in Egypt, Moses, Joshua, the period of the judges, they asked for a king, the period of the kings, the prophetic promises. Don't worry, a Davidic king is coming who's gonna be like a shepherd. He's gonna rule my people. He himself is gonna go seek and save all those who were lost, bound, and broken because of the effects of sin and rebellion. And into this story, Matthew says in Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the town or the city of the town of David, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and said, where is the one born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem. In Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written in Micah 5. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Read it with me. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. This is the story of God. Say that with me. This is the story of God. Jesus is the very pinnacle of the biblical story. And so when Jesus stands up, and that's why I wanted to give you the background of John 10, so that when we reference it and walk through it for these next several weeks, you know Jesus isn't just reaching for a handy metaphor for his generation. Oh, look, sheep, shepherd, I'll steal that metaphor. When Jesus says, I am the door or the gate in. And when he says, I am the good shepherd, all of what we just very briefly went through serves as the backdrop. In saying that I am, 
Jesus is fulfilling the long prophetic hope of Israel. Significantly, when Jesus started his ministry, in this one little verse in Luke, he's fulfilling all of the promises of Ezekiel 34, of searching for the bound, releasing and bringing them back. When Jesus said this in his own town, through the prophet and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The good news of Jesus is proclaimed to the poor today. Can you say amen? The good news of Jesus sets captives free today. Can we say amen? The good news of Jesus, we already sang about it all morning, is freedom for every prisoner today. The good news of the king and the shepherd Jesus is sight for the literal blind and the spiritual blind. Can you say amen? The, the good news of Jesus, who is the shepherd king of Israel, is that all of the oppressed can be free today. And the good news of Jesus is that now year of Jubilee is not a one-off. It is the perpetual reality of life in his kingdom where our identity, destiny, and inheritance are restored through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the prophesied, hoped-for shepherd king of Israel. So just take a deep breath I know that was a lot, and I know it was in many ways introductory, but how many know if we don't know the story, we'll be taken by some other story? That sounds good to our itching ears, but how many know there is only one story that is the true story of all stories, and it's the story of the scriptures. And what's so amazing to me <clears throat> that even though God is at the center of the story, praise God, and Jesus is the king and shepherd of the story and the savior and the Lord, he invites us to participate in the story with him. Is it amazing in light of all of this that that shepherd shows up to you and to me in 2022 and he's like, do you want me to be your king? Do you want me to shepherd your life? I'm really good at it if you'll yield to my leadership. How many today would say that would be really good news for Jesus to be my shepherd and my king? Can you just raise your hands? Nice and high. Jesus, we want you to be our shepherd and our king. You, Jesus, are the only one who can bring us out of our bondage and slavery to sin and then bring us in to the kingdom of God. Jesus, only you can rescue us from the tyranny, Lord, of our past. Only you can rescue us and set us free from our addictions, from our chains. Only you can bring us out so that you can bring us into life in your spirit. So Father, I pray for my friends today that we would go on this journey through John 10 for these next several weeks 
of what it actually means for Jesus to be our shepherd. What we know from today is at least it means in following the shepherd, we are participating in the epic story of God. So God, I pray, I'm gonna read one more verse and I want you to respond by the Spirit this morning. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Again, remember everything we just heard about the story of God. Because they were harassed and helpless, like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Pause right now and think, how many know sheeps without shepherds in your workplace and in your world and your neighborhood? Raise your hand, just not to be cheeky. How many know a thousand, you know, like you see their face right now. They're sheep without a shepherd. They're rudderless ships. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And here's how I want to land the plane. If this describes you, I want you to stand when Jesus saw the crowds, the crowds he was loving, he was teaching, he was healing, he was ministering to, but he realized that yes, if they were healed, that was great. Yes, if they heard his teachings, that was great. But he didn't just wanna touch them from afar. He wanted to bring them into his love and his care. He wanted to bring them into relationship. Why? Two big things. The crowds were harassed, say harassed. harassed. And helpless, say helpless. The word in the, in the original language for harass is to skin or to flay or to lacerate. And when Jesus looked at the crowds, he realized they were like harassed by their, their spiritual leaders. They were harassed by their culture. He looks at our generation. He's like, there are a lot of harassed sheep out there victims of the powers and principalities, of the ideologies and agendas of, of the voices of our world. And the Lord's like, they're harassed. They're just being viscerated. I want them to come out of that place of being harassed into my loving care. If you're in a place or in a, in, in, you're living in that harass, you just feel like you're being just ripped through your sin or through the, the lies or the voices that are, that are, that are calling you to compromise. I, I wanna pray for you this morning. But the second category, maybe many of us can identify with this one, if not the harassed one. Helpless comes from this, this idea of to, to be thrown into sudden motion, to jerk or to cast down. In other words, not only are they being cut open and harassed, from their circumstances and, and, and the narrative they're living out of, but they're also just tossed back and forth. They are helpless to fix the reality they're facing. How many know that's the great lie is that the, the ones who cause the problem cannot then turn around and be the source of the solution to that problem. We need help from without and from above. They're harassed and they're helpless, and maybe you're in a, in a state where you're just like, dude, I've tried, but I have no power to change my condition. I am, I'm harassed and I'm helpless, but I want Jesus to be my shepherd. And he says the, the, the biggest reality is that these sheep, they have no shepherd. They have no sovereign leadership in their life. And those who are ruling over them, they're not devoted to their good. They're not willing to lay down their lives for them. 
And if, if, if any, in any way you're like, Chatty, I really resonate with the harassed and the helpless. Can you just stand on your feet with no shame? I just wanna pray for you. Thank you, brother. Anybody else, you would just say, I, I resonate with one of those states being harassed or helpless. There's absolutely no shame. I just hope you feel the tenderness of God's love in this room because it's here, amen? And if you stood up, I just want you to just right now talk to the good shepherd and, and just confess your reality. Lord, I, I'm, I'm harassed. I feel helpless. I, I, I need you to be the leader of my life. I don't want you just to, I don't wanna be a distant admirer, even one who receives fruits of your ministry. I wanna come under your leadership. I wanna submit and come under your shepherding royal rule. Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd today. Just ask it right now, just say, Prince of Peace, come into my harassed and helpless state with your goodness and your love. Just pray that in your own words. I'm not gonna put those words in your mouth. Just if you stood, respond this morning. Just talk to him like he's your friend, because he is, he's amazing. Father, those who've been just cut open and lacerated by life and by the lies of the enemy, would you bring your healing love to bear on those wounds right now? Father, for those who are helpless, they're just exhausted. They're being whipped back and forth by the ways and the waves of, of men and their deceitful scheming. They need the shepherd's voice to pierce through the cloudiness and chaos, to bring order, to bring beauty from their ashes. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that, that my friends who stood up this morning would come under the lordship and leadership of the good shepherd. And I just want you to pray that little prayer. Just say, Jesus, I yield to your authority. You are the shepherd king that I wanna follow. Your words are the words that set me free. Your love is the love my heart was made to be filled with. Your truth is the truth that's meant to establish my life on an unshakable foundation. So Father, I receive and respond to the Lordship of your Son this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Can we just praise God for these brothers and sisters who responded? Let's stand up on our feet. And so I, I just want to really be really practical here at the end. Number one, shameless plug. If you know shepherdless sheep, how many know shepherdless sheep? Raise your hands nice and high. Do you think you're in their life by accident? Do you have a shepherd? Is that shepherd awesome enough to not just lead your life, but maybe theirs too? This week, in the grace of God, go out, invite them to church, to your, whatever it is. 
oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'll preach again. So we are, so that's number one, practical point number one. If you know shepherdless sheep, begin to pray for them. Everyone say pray. pray. And unapologetically invite them. Listen, if you go through the doorway of harassed and helpless, you'll identify with almost everyone in, your, in our city. <laughs> harassed, yeah, I know what that is, right? Helpless, yeah, I live on Helpless 101 Street. I know a shepherd. Say that with me. I know a shepherd. He's amazing. That's number one. I forgot what number two was, so I'll close in prayer. <laughs> Shepherdless sheep. Oh, number two. Who is willing to live in John chapter 10 this week? Raise your hand. I mean, live in it. You'll forget when you leave the door. So I'll email you and Instagram you and Facebook you and YouTube you this week to say John 10. What I want you to do is I want John 10 to be like this ocean that God is calling all of us to take a deep dive in. And over these next few weeks, we're gonna unpack various dynamics of what it means to be the sheep of the good shepherd. Amen. Receive this blessing. It just so happens to be one of my favorites in the whole Bible. And it has the shepherd metaphor in it, so it's a triple win. It's there, right? you know it, right at the end of Hebrews 13. I, I did this blessing a few months ago and someone, it was my favorite text of the week. Someone's like, Chad, what was that verse that we did? And then this person who asked me shared that verse with her colleagues at work. Made me so happy. Hebrews 13, receive this. Put your hands out like you're receiving a blessing because you are. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, hear it, that great shepherd of the sheep, <laughs> may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. How many received that blessing today and you'll walk in it? God bless you guys. If you need prayer, come on up. I want to pray with you. If not, have an amazing week. I love you.